0: Today, we're going to interview a seller who has made $6 million, not in his lifetime, not in one year, but in four and a half months on Amazon in one niche. Find out how he did that along with how he proposed to his wife in outer space on today's episode. How's it going everybody? This is Bradley Sutton and you are listening to the Serious Sellers podcast and we have a super serious seller. Serious as in he crushed it on super Amazon, but he's serious. not too serious. Yeah. He's not like serious in the strict sense of the word. So Brock Johnson, thank you for coming. You're actually in studio. I'm actually looking at you right now. Most people I interview on this show are remote, but you're right here in front of me. How's it going, Brock? It's going great. How do like
1: go- California so far? Too many AirPods. But other than that, there's 18 inches of snow in Minnesota today. And I got out right before it came here so I can get over the AirPods.
0: All right. We, we, we might have to uh, buy you some AirPods oh, on God. your way home just so you can have a little piece of California with you. Uh, <laughs> so I want to go back, though. A lot of people you know, know who you are because of your presence on YouTube and you've told your story, given it out. You know, you, you've even gotten the attention of Gary Vee and he's interviewed you before. But for those who do not know Brock Johnson's story, let's start at the beginning. Tell me how you just got into the Amazon space. Like what was your, even I don't know this part of it, but what was your first venture and what year was it? Well, I have to validate first. I
1: did reach out to him and mm-hmm. he agreed to speak with me. It let's wasn't say, that he, he reached out to there's me. There's you know, thousands a- of
0: people who reach out to him that he wouldn't give the time of day, but he's like, whoa, Brock Johnson. Okay, we got to get this guy in. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Kind of different story. Anyways, that's a story for another time. There you go. So
1: how did I get first started on Amazon? I actually got banned from eBay and I had a bunch of inventory and I said, how can I liquidate this? And I never turned back. What year was this about? Oh, this was
0: 2014, 2014, 2013. One of those two. Okay. And then, so you started now, these were kind of like arbitrage wholesale or your own, you know, private label products or what?
1: Yeah, I was doing arbitrage, going to Walmart and buy, there was this Disney Infinity toy. So basically, uh, there was all the different game platforms and the Disney Infinity was huge. And people were still on GameCube or not GameCube, the Wii. And then they came out with the Wii U, but nobody really bought it. But they started out, they wanted to push the Wii U game. So they made a bunch of those and then they discontinued the Wii one, but everybody still had the Wii. So I was able to buy those and sell them for a lot more. And that was when I realized I made thousands of dollars off of this one game that was on eBay or were you, were you that was on, on Amazon. Amazon. Okay. Yeah. And I was, but you were
0: doing something similar on eBay
1: uh, up until that point, like yeah. that kind of model. Yeah. I was actually flipping stuff from my university surplus store. So they would, you know, <laughs> they're very inefficient and they would just liquidate stuff some guy was 50 years old and, you know, just, I don't know if they just like spun a wheel and that's how they priced the things because <laughs> sometimes the, like a $500 studio mic, they'd sell for five bucks. Wow. They, they didn't know how to go to eBay. And now, what got look, you banned on eBay? Oh, that's a, that's another story. Basically, <laughs> I was importing. So I started importing from China. That was going great. And then I got some goods that it looked like on Alibaba. It was a great deal. So I bought them, imported them, sold them, and it turns out they're counterfeit. So, ah, you know, okay, when something yeah. seems
0: too good to be true, Probably it is. normally is. Okay. So then you moved to Amazon. So that's kind of a blessing in disguise, though. If you didn't get banned on eBay, you might not have gone to Amazon at that time. So, hey. Everything happens for a reason, right? So when did you start thinking about private label, like switching from the wholesale or reseller model? When, so I
1: had done Radio Shack for two years. They went out of business and it was a, it was a blessing. I just graduated college, wanted to start my own business, but it was, Hey, you know, society, my parents, everybody says, you got to get a job. But luckily my wife was applying for grad school. So that bought me a little bit of time. So we don't know exactly where we're going to go. So I had this little period of time where Radio Shack has gone out of business and I had this grace period. And then I took that and went to these Radio Shacks all around the country, opened up a bunch of credit cards, bought their stuff in 90%
0: off, sold it on Amazon and multiplied my money by four or five. And this what, is- what kind, of, what kind of numbers were you doing like monthly? Would you say flipping, flipping stuff? I was doing four to $500,000 a year. Cool. So just I don't know what it
1: was, was exactly monthly, but mm-hmm. f- yeah, yeah, that, that, that was that's, annual. That's
0: good too. That's good. So then now you have this cash infusion because you forexed your money. And so you're like thinking, okay, um, you know, there's no more Radio Shack deals. They lasted for a year and a half. A surprised. year and a half. Wow.
1: They had a slow death. Yeah. And I was thankful for that because I kept going through these different waves. And that's why I really focused on ROI and lead time because I was just opening credit cards maxing them out and i wouldn't buy them when i could make a 20 percent return i would wait for all of the products to get really low and then flip it for a really high return so that i could multiply my money faster and that's how i was able to make a full-time income and then i learned some other arbitrage techniques and
0: so now then, uh, what year are we in are we did, are we talking about uh, i
1: started 2015 doing
0: re- okay so now retail
1: arb and wholesale okay did that 2015 and 2016 and then there was no more radio shacks left yeah. they they i think they have 10 left now?
0: Oh, they still do? have. have I thought it was only in uh, the Captain Marvel movie. Blockbuster video and uh, (laughs) Radio Shack brought back some nostalgic vibes when I watched that movie. So what made you decide like, hey, I need to start thinking about something else because this this model is not going to be, I'm not going to be able to sustain myself on this.
1: I saw the light slowly fading away as I was getting threatened with lawsuits all the time. Of course, they were just gag orders. Hey, we're going to sue you. Stop selling on our product. Brands were just starting to recognize, hey, there's people selling our products on Amazon and we want to take control back of that. And as I was doing wholesale, then eventually the chairman of the board that bought Radio Shack sent me an angry email threatening to sue me at three in the morning. And I said, okay, there goes, there's no Radio Shacks left. My wholesale deal with Radio Shack just ended. But then after that, send him a very nice email back. And he said, well, we're angry, but we need your help. (laughs) And I was actually going to be bringing their entire catalog and optimizing and doing all of it for Radio Shack, which was pretty crazy because they were the largest retailer in the world by footprint, number of stores. Mm-hmm. And I'm a college student and I, or just had graduated a year and a half ago. And all of a sudden I'm in this position where I could be helping the world's largest retailer by footprint. So that's pretty neat. But then we didn't come to a deal in time and then they went bankrupt for a second time. Yeah. Then I said, private label. I want something. I'm tired of going opportunity to opportunity. I want to build something that is, I can source as much product as I want and keep adding and not have to have everything crash and burn. Do you remember your first product or private label, your first uh, venture? My first product that I tried, I failed seven. The Mm -hmm. first one that I had tried was a coffee mug. It said 80, 20 on it. So everybody in business always talks about the 80, 20 principle. So I thought, Hey, you should put that on coffee mug. Entrepreneurs, say this all the time. They drink coffee, but there's no search volume. So that didn't work very well. Okay. And then I tried putting it on a wristband. Didn't work either. So is this 2016, 2017 or? 2016. 2016. Yep. And then I tried some hippie glasses too. I went to music festivals. Uh, (laughs) I went to music festivals and I saw a lot of people wearing these and I looked at the markup. What is a hippie glass? Basically they're, you know what a kaleidoscope is? Yes. Imagine that, but uh, on glasses. Okay,
0: yeah. I didn't know that. That was what they were called. I actually, I don't even know what I call those. But I, I've, I've used those before. That, especially when you're going to a, a festival or a rave, like with all the crazy lasers and lights and stuff, it just looks insane.
1: Yeah. So I knew my market because I would go to those and I go dance, have a great time, and I saw, wow, look at all the inventions being done here and what, what people are doing. And basically, it's their vacation, so they're willing to pay whatever to look cool.
0: Yeah. So then a little bit later, you know, you you, you maybe have been getting, I don't know, I would imagine doing searches about glasses, you're, you're in this industry, and then you get a random email from a Chinese factory saying, hey, there's a solar eclipse coming to the United States. What would you think about buying my product? E- solar eclipse glasses, right? And now how did that start with well, creative juices flowing? Or is that the start? Of
1: well, it? what we should do is start with, how did I get that email? So I, how
0: did you get that? So I
1: went to China. I decided, Oh, the, (laughs) the light is closing in here. I need to move to private label. It's the best business model. So I was starting to look at glasses and I was actually looking at mood glasses and hippie glasses and went to China, spoke with some manufacturers, those that didn't end up panning out because I didn't get the best quality. They're falling off people's heads, but I got, that's where I got the email was because I had gone to China and and given my card to all those glasses manufacturers, then one of them sent me that one sentence email that said, solar eclipse glasses are very hot in the USA. Do you want some? Mm -hmm. And I was actually about to go to China my second time. And it was right before the flight, and I said, sure. Uh, Send me some info. He never responded.
0: So then you're like, okay, fine. Uh, I'm gonna start researching this. And you saw that the eclipse is, oh shoot, it's gonna pass over the USA. And then what was the next step for you? He never replied. So instead of just giving up on that idea, what did you do? I told my wife, I think this is it. Because we'd set, I set a goal.
1: We want to travel the world. I said, I'm going to do a million dollars in sales this year, private label. Pretty crazy. I, I didn't think I could do it. She didn't really think I could do it either. Well, she didn't think I could do it. And I was like, maybe I can, but I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot for the sky here. And even if I land somewhere short, it's great. Then I looked into it and I told her, as we're going to China, this is the idea. It's going to be huge. And she's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I've heard that before. <laughs> that's what everybody always says. But What year was this? And now are we in 2017? This, is, this or- is now 2017. Okay. Yep. And then I did the math. I said, it's going over 10 million people's houses. And so I thought that was my market, just those 10 million people. Actually turned out to be everybody in North America. Wow. Yeah, that was nice. That's
0: nice surprise. A nice dem- that's a nice demographic. Not yeah, you like know, that. everybody. Yeah, everybody. You know? <laughs> okay, so Creative Juices started churning. The Chinese factory didn't get back to you. so. What was the next step to actually get a product? What what, what did you do?
1: Well, what I did was I looked at the fundamentals of the market. Who is, how big is this market opportunity actually going to be? Really researched into that and said, wow, there's a lot of people here. Then what I did was I started to look at the scientific literature and see, okay, well, here's the event. What do they need? What are they going to do? So I just became massively obsessed with the Eclipse. Read every article, every scientific paper every review, looked at all previous eclipses and just studied and learned the market to a T. And then once I had done that, well, it was easy because I know exactly what I needed by looking at what was safe and what people have said in the past, voted with their words. So then I said, okay, now I need to get glasses and products that meet these criteria. And here are the needs. And then I looked at the market and I said, what are the unsolved needs here? And that's how I got started going at it. So I'd gone to China uh, in person, uh, didn't find anything. I was messaging on Alibaba and not getting much success. The manufacturers didn't really know what I was talking about. I say, hey, does it meet the certification? What type of material is it? And none of it was matching what I n- knew that I needed by reading the certifications. So I, w- I was failing for a long time at actually finding a supplier. So I was having a hard time finding a manufacturer that could actually get me what I wanted. Someone would say, yeah, we have it. And then I would say, okay, send me a sample. You could see light bulbs. You'd go outside and you could see everything. Okay, you don't actually have what I need here. And I got to the point where one of them said, yes, I have it. Here's the certification. Sent me a certification, but it was a fake certification. It wasn't actually real because I knew that you needed to have the address of the manufacturer printed on it. And they didn't have that in the sample they sent me. So something was off. So I said, hey, can you send me the certification body that certified you? And they wouldn't send it to me. Ooh, something's up here. I was about to give up, been researching for months. I knew it was a big opportunity, but I was starting to think, you know, maybe I just can't, I don't know, maybe I just can't find the manufacturer for this. So I was about to give up, but then
0: I started to look- Oh, real, real quick. I don't want to get too far off track, but I think I want to stop you right there because this is important for listeners to understand. Guys, there are certain things that need certifications or things that have to do with people's health or potential risks, don't take shortcuts. What was what did Brock just say right now? He said, if he was starting to think that, hey, it's just not going to happen, he knew it was a huge opportunity. Little did he know how big it was going to be, but he still thought it was a million dollar opportunity. Otherwise he wouldn't have been doing it because remember that was the, the goal that he said to his wife. But remember guys, he could not find it met the safety requirements. I mean, imagine we're talking solar eclipse. If you don't have the right glasses, you, you go blind or something. Imagine the kind of liability. So any of you guys out there, no matter how good the opportunity is, you need to know that if you can't do it the right way, be ready like Brock was just to walk away because you don't mess with things like like people's health or things like that. That's going to, you know, you could go to jail for, for, for you know, for things or, or get sued or something. So or worse, I think that's a real important or point. Or worse, you could hurt somebody.
1: Yeah. How do you, you can't even put a price on a life.
0: Yeah. That, that's the But if you're, even if you're a callous and didn't care about that, I mean, that should be the the, the initial goal. But even if you are a person who didn't care about other people, if you only care about yourself, well. Yeah. You can go to jail yourself, but of course your first, you know, anything in business, you're not going to be sustainable if you're hurting people and you should never want to hurt people anyway. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So.
1: And I had actually been trying to import electronics because I love tech. I, you know, proposed to my wife in space, was building electronics, my Whoa, own Oh, You
0: proposed to your wife in space. I, yeah. I, I know we're, we're way off topic right now, but how, how did that happen? That was, Ooh, I got a video on YouTube. If you look it up out of this
1: world proposal or space wedding proposal. I don't know. Just look at my name, Brock Johnson, space proposal, and you could see it. I just want to do something different. Yeah. I want to do it the best. Marriage, in my personal opinion, is no different than dating. It's just kind of a promise. And some people just propose on the couch on a Tuesday and they don't, it doesn't actually mean, <laughs> yeah. it only means what you actually put into it and how much you care. So I, sure, I wanted to, show
0: that I actually cared and that this actually does mean something. Thank you for this episode of the Serious Romantics podcast. Uh, We (laughs) give you relationship advice every Tuesday and Thursday. No, but anyways, okay. Now I made a mental note because I knew we were going to go off topic. We left off in, you were about to walk away from this because you just could not find the certifications or a factory in China that had the right certification. So what happened? I went to Google. Whoa, imagine that.
1: Yes, I went to the great place to find suppliers, Google. And ended up finding somebody on a way, I don't even remember what keyword, but it was a, it was a page way at, at the end of this keyword and kind of a janky website. Filled out the contact us form, whatever, left a couple one-liners, not a couple of one-liners, that's kind of a multiple liners. Left that message, got a call the next day right away. And is super professional. Just said, Hey, uh, I'm the best in the world at this. Uh, Here, gave me, just knew what he was talking about to a T and it was Super All those confident. things that you
0: were looking for and couldn't find in China, he, he had it.
1: Yeah, so I had done my due diligence and then the fact that he now knew more than me and was, was hitting everything that I needed, I said, okay, this is somebody that I want to do business with because I had been trying for two years to import lighting, like we were just talking about, but I could never find somebody who actually knew the certifications and every, you know, everything passed the sniff test with him. With the other ones, they didn't pass the sniff test and it takes one burned down house or one ruined pair of eyes to ruin your business and take everything that you make.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. So you saw what you liked. So I mean, you placed your first order. Did you start with one SKU or how, or how did you, what, what was the process here?
1: Yeah. So we had actually started with five designs. Yep. So we had, with the glasses, did five different designs. We did a 99 design contest. I'd heard about it from Tim Ferriss and on his podcast. And I was actually very very pleased with that. I got amazing designs. So I got 30 designers that came in and I kind of gave them the palette and the, a lot of the background. So that's one of the key things to take away is when you're outsourcing to people or you do your due diligence and really provide all the information needed and then choosing the person that takes it with that and then just blows you away. So I provided all the, the symbols and everything I wanted, and all the product research, and here's my market and here's the use case. And then now I got 30 designers working on it and I got just the best designs. And then I took my favorite ones, handed that to the other 30 designers and said, Hey, here's the path that I like. Can you make this even better? So I got I know, like 90 designs or whatever, and it was just really easily able to get the best designs for my products. So there's
0: a, a tidbit. All right. So just, just fast forwarding a little bit. Now you, you started killing it and was, was it a three month? period where you had the most sales or how's the story goes at three months or six months or when, when did you just have the amazing rush leading up to the, uh, or like how long before the eclipse did you actually go full bore with your launch of, of the products?
1: Well, I launched, I think March, the end of March is when I got my first sale.
0: 2008, 2017. Yeah. 2017. All right. And then when was the eclipse? The eclipse was August 21st, August 21st. So from March to August of that year, how much in gross or how much in revenue did you generate selling solar eclipse glasses? Six months or no, 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 not six months, 6 million. And
1: it's, I say 6 million is six months because it sounds better, but it was actually four and a half,
0: $6 million worth of sales in about four and a half months. All right. So let's fill in some of these gaps now. So, so how in the world did you do that? I worked every minute and I just took extreme actions. Oh God. No, no. Okay. Let's do that again. Ask the question again. So $6 million in four and a half months, like that's like zero
1: to 16. 3.5. <laughs> yeah. 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 All
0: right. <laughs> how did you scale that fast? How, how did you pull that off going? I mean, cause you weren't not, you, you weren't, your goal was 1 million and you weren't even there even close to that. So how do you go from almost nothing to that, that fast in that short time?
1: Yeah, so my first order was $7,500. And the way that I was able to scale that fast was just an extreme focus on my ROI and my lead time. And that is, I didn't have cash flow issues. I scaled 7,500 to 6 million revenue in four and a half months with no cash flow issues. I opened up credit cards that did help with that. Uh, but the way that I did it was just getting as many SKUs as I could. So I didn't just make one product. I made 44 listings and I actually have looked at, I remember 44 unique ones, but I, I looked and it's actually uh, upwards of a hundred that we ended up doing. I did. I just looked at it a couple of days ago.
0: Cool. So I then, didn't even remember that I made that many. So then you were like, well, what was the main keyword? Just out of Solar eclipse glasses. Solar eclipse glasses. So somebody, you know, in, in the thick of things, you know, maybe July or whenever is typing in solar eclipse glasses. On page one, how many different results were yours?
1: On page one, I was—you know—I only had one on page one. Only one on page one. That's that's the crazy thing. That was like your number one seller. Yeah, that was
0: my number one seller. So then, like, how much of that six million? Your number one seller. Oh wait, no, no, no.
1: I got—I had two. I forgot about that because I had the goggles too.
0: Were you generating good amount of sales on those other ones? Yeah. Like, where were those sales coming from? If you were, was it, were they on like page one of different keywords or something? Or the, what? This
1: was before the days of exact search volume and
0: keyword tools. Mm-hmm. So it was. You didn't have Helium 10 to go. No, to the I term.
1: didn't. Oh man, I would have. You, you could have been. That,
0: and reverse A in your- We would
1: have an even cooler story if I had Helium 10 back then. There was no tools on the market. I, had, I think I, back then I just used Google mm-hmm. and looking at competitors listings. And then I did have the ability to go into AMS. Mm-hmm. And then by going in there, I was actually able to get derived search volume because it, it'll it actually show you for something that even gets one search. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was able to do some keyword research throughout that, but I can't tell you at that time where all my sales came through. Interesting. Interesting. I knew, I know. But, where, but, you, well, but it
0: wasn't like 5.8 million of your 6 million sales were just that one ASIN. I mean, your other, there was a reason why you launched 40 different Products is because a lot of those were were generating a decent chunk, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I, my best SKU didn't even do a million. Oh wow. Yeah, I had a, a wide variety of products that were selling all through different keywords, and I could tell you where I got PPC PPC sales through. So I know that because mm-hmm. that's kind of the only way yeah. you really had to track back then. And then you could do a manual search. Where do your products rank for on keywords? But you can't, you know. It's not not like we have this beautiful keyword tracker that you guys have now. Yeah. So I, I was just blind, and I was I'd look up three or four keywords per day, and that was about how I tracked.
0: Amazing. So, what kind of obstacles or hiccups or near death experiences did you have during this? Uh, oh gosh. During the launch, like you know, did Amazon screw you over? Did your customers? Did anybody threaten lawsuit because they went blind? Or I mean, what what are some crazy crazy things that? you went through that, you know, maybe people need to be aware about it It could happen to them
1: too. So there are things that happened to me and then there are things that are applicable to everybody. So for myself, I broke my elbow, unfortunately, in May, right? The day before my birthday, I broke my elbow and it was so bad that they said, you need to go into immediate surgery. Wow. And I was actually supposed to get surgery on my chest later that week. So then now that got pushed out a month. So while I did this in the four and a half months of actual sales, I had an extreme I had an extreme injury on my elbow and they broke all the bones in my chest and put a bar in and reformed my whole chest. I had more hijackers than I can remember. Every single day I had hijackers. I had so many counterfeits because I had the best designs. So everybody decided, "Oh, we're just going to counterfeit and hijack." So I was dealing with all of that. So while scaling and building all of these different listings, now it was it was just becoming overwhelming. I was Putting out a fire every single day. Let's see what else was there. Uh, all of the other glasses on the market were not certified. There was only a handful that were. Because of this, these glasses put people at a risk of, of going blind. They weren't certified. They were not the right stuff. So when I was looking at manufacturers, I had not chosen to go ahead with those. But there were other firms as um, international sellers that you know maybe didn't have the risk of getting sued, so they were able to do that. And then there was even other private labelers here in the USA that just sourced it anyways, that, you know, they, it, it passed their sniff test. I guess they didn't go as deep. And that's, that's my one thing to really be careful of if you're doing anything in health or a safety, it just anything, or even plugging into a wall, make sure it's safe because what happened was I warned Amazon these, there's going to be huge news, news story later this year. And a lot of people are going to go blind. And I, I said, you guys need to, to crack down on this. And they wouldn't listen to me for months and months. And then all of a sudden I, I reached out to some regulatory bodies and I don't know if it was me or, you know, just somehow NASA released a statement basically saying there's a lot of bad glasses on the market. And then all these uh, companies, all these news companies picked up on it. And then, okay, now Amazon came in. So they shut down, basically sent out an email saying, we're shutting down all the listings for Eclipse glasses. I was like,
0: yours too? Yeah. Even though you had the right certifications. Yeah. And then
1: a week and a half later, then they said, okay, send us your certification and you can sell. But I freaked out for 10 days because mm-hmm. I had just
0: invested. So the sales went from crazy velocity to zero. I mean, your listings were suppressed at this No, time. they gave us, they gave us, I think eight days. Okay. Whew. They said in eight days,
1: we're shutting it all down. So then can you just imagine I had got invested everything I had and then went close to hundred K in debt purchasing all this inventory and, you know, predicting what the demand's going to be like. And then they say, yeah, we're shutting it all down in eight days. <laughs> so I freaked out. Uh, ended up lowering my prices and so did everybody else. It was just, uh, it was just crazy. And then, uh, yeah, so, it,
0: it, yeah, yeah. So then you know? you, but you, you, unlike the others, actually gave the right certifications. And then, so, what, was it just an easy process? And they said, okay, yeah, you can continue or what happened? So
1: I sent in my information and then they said, okay, you can continue to sell. But not all of them. They didn't approve all of them. And then the ones that were approved, they would just randomly take them down. It's like, come on. And by the way, though, this whole time, we were actually doing all of the packaging in-house. It wasn't like your typical private label story where uh, it just goes from the, your Chinese manufacturer into China and you sit on the beach and make money. No, I had to put in the work and actually package all this. But it was extremely valuable because it made Uh, Just, it gave me such speed. I was able to make all these different variations. People wonder, how do you make that many products in that short amount of time? Because I had uh, telescope filters, camera filters. I had all these different glasses. I had the goggles that we made uh, with lenses. We had all this different stuff. And then now I was able to just make a listing that day and sell it seller fulfilled. And then if it worked, boom, okay, now I'm gonna send in product to Amazon. So I was able to get this massive feedback loop of, hey, what works? Okay, do more of that. Uh, Whereas normally uh, with the typical, typical private labeler, you have an idea, you source it and then two months, three months, maybe you get it in there and it worked or it didn't. But I was able to just
0: make listings and test so fast. And I learned a
1: crazy amount from that, that, that,
0: that was what I was doing. Yeah. That's a good point, guys. If if you can find a niche where you can get products where you don't have to order 1000 right off the bat, like maybe, you know, one thing I've heard that people do when they want to do bundles, they're like, Hey, maybe this kitchen spatula. I want to sell with this uh, kitchen spoon because these are two top sellers. Nobody has a bundle of it. Well, what you do is you order like you know forty of an existing one, sell it for a loss, you know, buy it retail, whatever, and then bundle it, and then you know, run some PPC or whatever you guys want to do. And then if that starts selling right away, then you know, okay, yeah, now I'm going to go ahead and invest in you know my five hundred or a thousand because you're not just going blind and just putting all your eggs in one basket. So that's a good. I think that's a good learning point. What else? did you take from this experience that you think i mean obviously sellers now should not be sitting at their email waiting for a random email from a chinese supplier saying would you like solar eclipse glasses but how do how, do, how does somebody put themselves in that situation where they can kind of put themselves in front of something that could be a big trend and and, and jump on it before cuz you know we always teach which is the truth because 98% of the time Amazon is about existing demand. You know, it's hard to forecast, you know, that tools like Helium 10 is going to show you what the existing demand is. But, and that's why everybody still should, you know, you guys, you need to focus on that because these things are not very often, but what do people need to, how do people put themselves in a situation where they can quote unquote predict or something that, that something's about to go viral or that there's going to be a big need that's not being fulfilled.
1: That is a lesson that is a unique, uh, I would say that's probably a unique capability of myself, but what was not unique capability of myself and the, and the scenario as well. But what wasn't was doing the market research, looking at all of the customers and then, okay, well, here's all the unserved parts of the market. You can do that in any market. Okay. There's lots of unserved needs and that's what I was filling in the holes. Now, did I get some steroids because I had a trend on my, you know, the trend was my friend. Yeah, I had that, but it's applicable to all markets. So Uh, and, and one of the hardest things actually is predicting a trend. And typically I can tell you if you don't have a brand, you don't have a brand registry because I made it so fast. It is not, you might not actually want to be on a trend. My friend was one of the first sellers of fidget spinners said it was great (laughs) for a week. And then he had 10 hijackers and it was all gone, you know? So, uh, predicting trends is not a sustainable way to make a business. In my opinion, what you can do though, is, is really get to know that market and the customers and then grab as much real estate and solve those needs. And that is a very, and you know, take the mathematical principles of, you know, how can you test an idea the fastest with the highest upside and the lowest downside. When I sourced my glasses, I essentially decided there was no risk because I had the best product. I got it at the best price. And then looking at it, I said. You know, worst case scenario, I bet I could find a school or a business by just cold calling. And I could liquidate all my liquidate, get my money back. Maybe I lose 20%. But this is asymmetric asymmetric risk reward. Massive upside, very little downside. And that's when I decide to go for things. So that's kind of the big takeaway there.
0: Anything unique you did as far as like the way you presented your images or the way you made your bullet points that you think. Gave you a bump over your competition?
1: Yeah, uh, symbolism. Symbols are huge. Instead of, you'll see it when you go in some really good listings, but instead of annotating, one, you could write it out in your description. What makes your product great? You know, what are the use cases? But I really focused on those use cases in the actual core needs in my images. And then now didn't just point it out in my images, pointed it out with symbols. This giant made in the USA symbol, the the big flag and just this big gold shield is a great way to get across that it's made in the USA and focused on all the pain points of where I was uh, providing what their needs were and why I was different. And then also just some great lifestyle photos, you know, that just that stuff alone, just branding, you know, and and focusing on the
0: core needs. What about, um, when, when when you just mentioned images, I just actually reminded myself of of, I love the way in your, your course you explain this. You're the only one I know, I think, who, who explained it this way, but it totally makes sense that when people search for things on Amazon, they're searching kind of like they start with you know a need, whatever, or want. And when they think of that need or want, an image of what is going to fulfill that need pops up in their head. And I love the way, why don't you take it from there? Because I think that was just the start of it. But the way that you explain this really goes... Is really great for sellers because they need to understand this thought process because it's going to totally change the way you guys do your listing optimization once you use this mindset. So talk a little bit about yeah, that. So if you take one thing away from this, it's this. This is applicable to everything in sales,
1: uh, specifically where people are typing in in a search bar. So Google, Amazon, uh, anything. Basically, when people are on Amazon, what do they do? You look at statistically where the sales come through they come through the search bar, they type in a keyword and then they see the products. But what happened before they typed in that keyword? They had a problem or a a need They, they don't just randomly out of the ether type in this word. There was something that prompted them to do that. So basically there may be a need in their life. And then now they have an image in their head. And then now they translate that image into their head. They translate that image in their head into a word that's not an efficient process. Okay. Because everybody types in words differently and words are not a good way to explain things, but they have that image in their head. Now, when they type in that word, they're looking at all the products on the page and they're saying, which one of these is matches. They say, which one of these matches the image in my head, the best. And that that's the way to do it. So if you know your customers and you look at the keywords and you say, Hmm, there's a 10 million people that it's going over their heads. There's a lot of women under there. I, they're all typing in the same word, solar eclipse glasses, but none of these look good for women. I bet there's women buying here. So I was able to match. I bet there's an un, there's not, nothing matches that image in their head on this page. So I'm going to make some that's going to match their image the best. And oh, what do you know, it worked. And so it, started, it, it all comes down to really knowing that customer base and also reading reviews from all the other products because that's obviously complaints and needs of the market that aren't showing up in keywords, but they're showing up actually on in the customer's head and they're voting with their dollars and their words and actually writing a review. Who writes reviews? Very few people. That's a rare person that bought, complained and wrote a review. That's gold. So look at those, look at at the whole market. And then now that you know where you can fit in.
0: That's great, guys. So just always keep that in mind. You know, I've said this a million times, sometimes sellers, we put on our seller's hat too much, you know, at the end of the day, the buyer doesn't care if we had 185 characters in our bullet point, number two, instead of 160, or, or they, they don't care that we duplicated a search term in our subject matter. And our, I mean, (laughs) they could care less about these things. And we're like, sometimes sellers, that's all we're focused on these kind of metrics at the end of the day. It's the buyer who's going to buy our product. So we need to make sure first and foremost that we're making our listings relevant to the buyer so that we can match the images in their head with our product, because that's what's going to give us the best chance at making the sale.
1: Yeah. So another key concept that I teach and that I really love is there's two parts. You need to make the machine of Amazon happy and you need to make the seller happy. The machine will give you the people, but you got to make the people happy to get sales. And so you initially, you got to index, of course. So you got to have those words, but they're irrelevant to have if the people aren't buying. And when you're able to understand which parts of the listing and pictures are going to make the machine happy and then which parts make the people happy, then now optimizing and creating your images and your whole listing is a lot easier. And now you're making the people happy, which then makes the machine
0: happy. And you you get that flywheel of Amazon. Perfect. All right. That's just one of the many modules you, you've got in your, you know, for your students. And so if people want to get more information from you, contact you or find out, you know, about your, your course or work, where can they go for that?
1: You can go and look up Brock Johnson on YouTube. You could go to BrockRJohnson.com. You could go to official Brock Johnson on Instagram. You could type in Brock Johnson on Google. You could type
0: in zero to six million in six months on Google. Just, just look up Brock Johnson. You'll find me. All right, cool. Well, thanks a lot, Brock, for joining us here. I'm sure our viewers would love to uh, have you back and give us some more tips and tricks, and actually, you know, you've got some great videos about helium 10 use. You know, you've got some unique ways to use helium 10 that people can can learn from you. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, and oh, we'll one see, one thing, ahead. oh
1: wait, 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 we didn't say that It's only a dollar. Oh, and it, that's it's right. got
0: Yeah, yeah. So this, this is not a $10,000
1: $10, mastermind. This isn't here. the $10,000 pitch. This is the yeah. uh, $1 proof that you actually want to make your life a little bit better. And I'll give you everything that I know. And I've put so much, like when I say stuff, it's taken me a long time to make, because I make sure that it makes sense from a fundamental level. And it's a dollar. And if you can't afford that dollar, send me a message. I'll give it to you for free. There
0: you go, guys. $1 course to learn. Uh, 35 hours
1: now and growing.
0: 35 hours of. A video. So
1: oh yeah. We wow. so many interviews in
0: there and just really well thought out modules. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, Brock for joining us and guys, that'll be your best dollar that you ever spend other than a McDonald's hamburger. No, that's even <laughs> better than McDonald's hamburger. You shouldn't be eating that stuff anyways. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for having me on here, Bradley.
1: And uh, thank you guys for listening. If you got any questions, let Bradley or myself know, I'd, we'd love to answer questions and help people. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Brock. And thanks a lot, everybody for listening. See you guys later.